0: Speech Pathology Australia acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands, seas and waters throughout Australia and pay respect to elders past, present and future. We recognize that the health and social and emotional well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are grounded in continued connection to culture, country, language and community, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never seated. Hello and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we showcase a conversation with inspiring and influential people who are advancing practice in one of the many and varied areas of speech pathology. Let's hear from this week's contributors.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Today, we will be focusing on the experience of stress and burnout within our profession. We will be referring to a literature review compiled by the Early Careers Reference Group, as well as interviews from four speech pathologists from different clinical backgrounds and levels of experience on their perspective about stress and burnout within the workplace. Our aim for today is to equip you with the skills to identify stress and burnout, as well as provide meaningful strategies and evidence-based resources to support you managing this within a busy workplace. The podcast is hosted by four early career speech pathologists working in the ECRG's personal wellbeing group. This group was formed with the motivation to research and report on the experience of new graduate speech pathologists as well as identify strategies that may be implemented in order to achieve a work-life balance and personal well-being. The group includes Brianna Tuckerman, Vivian Hoy, Davina Lowe and Julie Sachs. So with introductions aside, let's jump into today's topic, burnout. It is important for us to first draw a distinction between the term stress and burnout as they are often used interchangeably. However, they refer to very different things. Stress can be defined as any short-term change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. This may be experienced throughout your day when checking emails, when running late to a therapy session, or when striving to meet a deadline for an NDIS report. While burnout is not currently recognized as a standalone clinical diagnosis, the World Health Organization officially listed burnout as an occupational syndrome in the 11th edition of its International Classifications of Disease in 2021. Burnout refers to a reaction to chronic stress characterized by complete mental, physical and emotional exhaustion. This is a result of long term stress and may leave you feeling unmotivated, disinterested in previous hobbies or just feeling hopeless. Not only does burnout impact an individual's mental and physical health, there is also a huge financial impact as stress-related work absenteeism and pre-absenteeism cost the Australian economy $14.81 billion per year. So as we can see, Burnout has a huge impact on the Australian workforce, but what does this mean in the context of speech pathology and how can we identify and manage stress before it snowballs into burnout? The publishing of this podcast has also been orchestrated to coincide with IUOK Day 2022. We are hoping to shine a light on the prevalence of stress and burnout in the workplace in order to provide access to resources and to encourage meaningful conversations around support for workers. We will also mention some additional resources for supporting wellbeing and mental health towards the end of this podcast. So please listen until the end as we hope that these strategies will be helpful for you. Let's chat to our guests to hear about their
2: experience and recommendations. Hi, my name is Davina and I'm with Brittany Fong. Brittany is a final year student at the University of Melbourne. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Davina. So, first off, can you share with us some highlights of your speech pathology degree so far?
3: Um, I think the best part of my degree has been, or well, still is, the placements. Um, I think it's just really nice getting to work in different settings and also seeing myself grow, I guess, in a measurable way. Mm. I remember starting off that novice thinking, like, yeah, I don't think I could ever write progress notes um, ever <laughs> and hand them in at the end of the day. But I see myself getting closer to that, not there yet, but getting closer to that. Um, and also just being able to, yeah, experience different settings and placement.
2: So as a student, how do you view stress and burnout in the speech pathology profession? Do you think this view would differ when you transition into the workforce?
3: Um. So far, I feel like stress and burnout. I think most of it I see it from from the placements i've been on um i don't quite remember anything like explicit that lecturers have told me about stress and burnout they probably have i just forgotten but um i'd say the impression that i have are mostly from what i see in placement and i feel like the pressure comes from not pressure well the the stress and burnout comes from maybe just managing a lot of things at once so having to you know do a lot of self-directed learning Um, to support um, well just delivering the best clinical practice when working with patients but then also at the same time having to you know think a couple of steps ahead for your patients um, or clients to help them reach their goals Um, and also I see a lot of speeches just during placement balancing you know meetings with I don't know what you call those like um I guess, special interest groups to upskill themselves or just quality improvement projects or some whatever other projects. So it just seems like as a student, from what I've seen, the stress and burnout would come from managing all of these things all at once and also trying to, you know, still have a personal life as well.
2: <laughs> yes. So you've touched on this a, a bit already, but... um have you had any experiences with stress and burnout or do you know of any
3: stories um i recently had i would say a pretty big blow <laughs> um it was i'd say at the end of july there were these two three weeks where it was just a sequence of unfortunate events and it it kind of it kind of jabbed into i'd say the core parts of my life so I had a health issue a financial issue and also like a social relationship issue and all of them you know those events weren't exactly you know major but just compiling them all together within a short amount of time did increase my stress a lot because I didn't have that time to adjust after each event um so having to deal with that recently was quite um, quite an experience. I had to. It, it. I think it sparked me to reconsider how I. I guess schedule my life at the moment.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and
2: so when you were experiencing this big couple of weeks of your life and you had all that stress, um, did you pick up on any signs of stress and burnout or? some signs that other students can look out for in themselves.
3: Well for me, just I guess when I'm under stress I have a tendency to to cry um, so that's definitely I guess one low motivation to do things or low motivation to reach out to people and also just ruminating over mm-hmm. the thing that worries me. So I'd say those would be my top three things um and just yeah just wasting a lot of time ruminating I would say that's a big one
2: mm. and well in light of that so our profession has always talked about how work-life balance is really important to our personal well-being as species. and so this should be no different for students as well so how have you um maintained a work-life balance throughout your degree and what are some strategies that students can implement to help reduce those um, signs of stress and hopefully avoid burnout?
3: If I'm honest, I have not been doing a good job maintaining work-life balance. But I think in light of the, I guess, the recent couple of weeks, I've, I've been trying to implement some strategies. So, I mean, I'm not going to talk about this in a very prescriptive way, but I'm happy to share what I've been trying to do. Um, So I think the first thing is, I wanna try and do things for myself a bit more. Um, I I guess this comes from me. I, I really love doing volunteer work. It's been, it's always, I think it's been a part of my life since I was about 15. So like for the past 10 years, I always like including volunteer work somewhere in, uh, in my week. Um, but I think recently I've just taken a lot more. With those opportunities and partially it's because, well, it it I would say it helps me upskill in a way. Um, and also I'm just, I, I really, I guess I really enjoy connecting with people from different demographics um, within that volunteer work. Um, but I've noticed that it's becoming a bit of an overcommitment of I'm, I'm taking on a couple of roles. And I guess the strategy that I'm trying to do now is to restart maybe one of my hobbies, um, something that I know that I'm good at. So that would be language learning. I really love language learning and it comes quite easily to me. And I picked that one because every time I learn a language, I know I feel good about it because I'm good at it, I would say it's a strength of mine. And that's something that I've been trying to incorporate again, just doing doing it because I want to do it. Um, That's one strategy. Um, another strategy is planning just an outing during the weekend for myself, usually probably just to walk around the park or like a park I've never been to. And this was very much inspired by one of my placement partners, um, that I went down to Tassie with, um, she'd always have a hike planned over the weekend and it would take the whole day. And then, and that was something that she really liked. So I was thinking that sounds... That sounds really nice. That sounds sounds like a nice thing to do that isn't work-related and um, it gives you, I guess, that cognitive break from just always thinking about academics. So I'm trying to incorporate that into my weekends a little bit more. Something else would be to always plan something social on a Friday night. Um, This was also inspired by my other placement partner who I went down to Tassie with. She, I noticed that she always had someone visit her over the weekend. So her weekend would be booked with like hanging out with her family or her friends. And I'm like, that's also another great way of just taking yourself away from academics as well. And I think as an international student, it's kind of tough sometimes to have to be to plan your social life because I mean I'm here without my family. I've always had to be very proactive with maintaining my social life because no one's going to call me out. I have to, I have to, I have to make sure that I have a social life. So sometimes that could fall by the wayside because you're just too tired to plan anything. But I think it's worth putting in that effort to plan at least something social on a Friday night, um, something to look forward to at the end of the week, and I guess the last strategy would be to um, pay attention to how I work so that I can work productively and that the remaining time I can dedicate to things that I want to do that are, that is an academic or career related. So I guess something that I've realized recently that I thought was quite profound in helping me plan the day was a. Uh, just how my attention fluctuates over the day. So beginning of the day, I notice, like when I first wake up, the first hour of the day, uh, hour of the day, I'm quite sharp when it comes to my attention, but only really for I'd say admin tasks. So not enough to do like content creation. I'm not there yet because I've just woken up. So I usually dedicate morning hour for admin work. I notice after lunchtime, I have no concentration at all. So like from one to four, I can't do anything productive. So I try to allocate that time for either rest or just going outside, something else other than work. And my attention usually comes back after lunchtime and all that dinner time. So I would dedicate that to like more content creation work. So like essay writing or um, stuff like that. So just utilising, I guess, those observations to my favour and trying to work more productively throughout the week.
2: Yeah, so those are some really practical strategies and I love how there was that theme of just being really in tune with yourself. Mm -hmm. And also the importance of taking some me time and seeking out those social interactions to keep that work-life balance going. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Um, Yeah, so thank you so much for your time today, Brittany. It was lovely chatting with you and you've given us some incredible insight into um, stress and burnout and keeping a work-life balance as a student. So thank you for all that insight.
3: Thank you very much for having me, Davina.
1: Hi, my name is Brie. I'm a speech pathologist working in the private practice area of Sydney. I'm kindly joined with Bridget, who's a new graduate speech pathologist working in a regional hospital in Queensland. I'd like to introduce you all to Bridget. Bridget, could you please share with us an overview of your career so far as a speech pathologist?
6: Hi, Brie. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to chat with you. Yes, absolutely. So I graduated from my Bachelor of Speech Pathology at the end of last year, and then I commenced my new graduate year as a speech pathologist in January. So I work in a regional hospital in Queensland, uh, particularly in the area of adult acute care. And my caseload is very varied, so I provide clinical services to patients across general medical, surgical and stroke wards, as well as work within the emergency department intensive care and mental health units. As a new graduate, what are your thoughts on the experience of
1: stress and burnout in our profession?
6: Yeah, so I think that stress and burnout is so widely experienced by clinicians in our profession, whether they are a new graduate or whether they have lots of experience. And I guess I sort of perceive stress as that really inevitable reaction that we will all experience when working. So whether that be in regard to adjusting to a new schedule and routine, such as beginning your career or just experiencing challenges in the workplace in general that cause you to feel nervous or tense or unsettled. And then I see burnout as being that more sustained or prolonged period of stress where you have that complete exhaustion and that results in things like detachment and loss of motivation to continue to engage in your work as a professional or in just other general areas of your life. So things that you once enjoyed might not become as enjoyable as well as feeling that sort of state of constant defeat. So, definitely that prolonged stress that, that leads to that burnout.
1: Yeah. And I think that's almost a very common topic across professions. Mm. It's not exclusive to speech pathologists, but it's definitely Mm. an area which we'd like to shed light on, particularly during this month, because we're also um, promoting. Are you okay day? And so Bridget, what is your experience of stress as a new graduate who has entered the profession?
6: Yeah, I have definitely experienced uh, stress in the workplace and I've spoken to lots of other new graduates who sort of share that same reflection. And I think it's really normal to feel stressed, um, particularly in your new grad year, about things like managing your expectations and balancing your clinical and non-clinical tasks when transitioning to full-time work. And I think something that I've struggled with too is managing expectations with regard to the amount of pressure I've put on myself. So uh, something that I guess personally has caused me to feel stressed at times is the pressure as a healthcare worker of being someone who um, works with families and and patients or clients in a really uh, vulnerable and difficult time in their lives. And whilst that's such a privilege to be part of that journey, it's also a responsibility. And I guess I've personally felt stressed at times about the pressure I put on myself in terms of that that responsibility. Uh, I guess the other instances where I've probably felt stress in the workplace um, have been times where due to unforeseen circumstances like COVID, uh, like many workplaces, I'm sure we've had a really diminished workforce. uh, And that can be quite overwhelming when you're trying to manage a busy caseload and ensuring you're sort of triaging and prioritizing your patients effectively and efficiently and providing optimal care with that reduced staffing uh, so they're probably the moments I felt I guess most overwhelmed or fatigued and stressed
1: yeah I think that would be definitely shared by many speech professionals speech yeah. health workers at the moment um yeah yeah and at times I've definitely felt that I could relate to that so I don't feel that that would be very exclusive to anyone. I'm sure we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Bridget, during your studies, was there any discussion around the experience of burnout within the speech pathology profession?
6: Yes. As a student, I do remember discussing these concepts of stress and burnout, particularly in the courses where we focused on that transition into the workforce. I guess I probably was a little bit naive to think that those things wouldn't impact me or be so profound or prevalent within our profession. Uh, I think we learned some really great information about what stress and burnout, um, what they are, which has, I guess, prepared me to be sort of more cognizant of the signs to look out for. But it is definitely quite different experiencing it sort of firsthand once you start in the workplace. Um, And as much as you can sort of think about what life as a speech pathologist might be like, you can't really predict what you're going to experience or how you're going to feel once you start working. So we definitely did did cover that sort of content in my degree, but I I do feel like it's completely different once you start working and experience it firsthand. Um, And probably those things that uh, our lecturers mentioned start to come into fruition and make a lot more sense now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think once you're immersed in it, it's very hard to see the first through the trees and definitely pull yourself Mm -hmm. out of a stressful situation. So it leads Mm -hmm. us on to a good topic of what you feel new graduates should be aware of when it comes to stress and burnout and what strategies maybe they could implement to support them Mm -hmm.
6: Yeah, I think as a new graduate, it's really important to keep in mind just how prevalent stress and burnout is and not to be afraid to talk about it or ask for assistance. If you are feeling those those feelings or those reactions, Um, I think in your new graduate year, it's it's so likely that you'll experience some degree of stress and fatigue. Given how much you're learning and what a transition it is in terms of adjusting to a new professional role and to a workplace, Um, and it might be really challenging because of how much learning you're doing and and how overwhelmed you might feel to pick up on those signs of stress or burnout and confuse it with that overwhelming sense of I'm learning so much new. Um, I think it's really important to be aware of your management of your expectations on yourself and being realistic, reasonable and kind to yourself about these, um, as that's something that can be a really great significant source of stress for new graduates. and then I feel as though whilst we all experience stress, it is important to be aware of when stress is becoming a really prolonged experience uh, because that sustained stress can sort of eventuate into burnout. Um, some strategies that might help if you pick up on signs of stress or burnout or to sort of mitigate these, I would encourage uh, to talk to a colleague or a supervisor, someone you feel comfortable with, and really lean on that professional and peer support around you. Um, And engage in the staff supports available. So I know that will vary depending on the workplace and the context you're in. Um, But I know many workplaces have sort of a variety of employee assistance programs or wellbeing supports. Uh, So engaging in those if you think it's something that might help you, or if you don't know about what those supports are, talking to someone to get that information. Um, and also taking some time out for yourself. So focusing on what brings you joy and setting aside time in your day or week to engage in those activities that that bring you joy.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think you've answered that question really beautifully and touched on a lot of strate- strategies that clinicians can very readily have access to. And also mm-hmm. what structures are in place to protect us and to make us feel safe when managing a stressful and environment and stressful workplace so I guess for our listeners at home they can see that work-life balance is often quite tricky to achieve in our profession and especially when you're still trying to figure it out or transition fully into the speech pathology field so I guess Bridget what are some strategies that new graduates might be able to implement to support themselves in achieving a better work-life balance?
6: Yeah, it can be really hard to switch off when you leave work and find that balance between your work and and your personal life. And I've spoken to many new grads who have found that a really challenging aspect of their first year. Uh, I guess some strategies which are definitely much easier said than done, but are important to consider could be things like setting boundaries for yourself. So to really leave work at work. And obviously this is going to be unrealistic to achieve every single day. And there will be times that you continue to think about work and do work at home, but it is really important to consciously set boundaries to have some separation between your work and personal life. And this might look quite different to different people. So it might be a case of not checking your work emails once you've got home or setting aside a specific timeframe to wind down and stop thinking about work, such as on your drive home so that when you walk through the door, you've had time to reflect and think about your day. Uh, but really, it's a matter of working out what boundaries work well for you as an individual. Another thing that I found helpful has been ensuring that I debrief or talk to someone if they're a challenging, complex, or even just thought-provoking cases or situations that might occur at work, uh, and this might be with a colleague or a supervisor before I leave. Uh, Finding time to have those discussions before the end of the day can be really helpful to try and make a plan moving forward or find some sort of resolution uh, so that you're not coming home to continue to think about it. Um, It's also so important to continue to prioritise your health and things that you enjoy outside of work so that it doesn't become all-consuming. So setting aside time in your day and in your week to do this and think about how you can fit in all the other activities that you enjoy that fill up your cup, rejuvenate you, or simply just are non-negotiables for enjoying your life. Uh, And with that too, it is so important to take time to rest take your leave, book it in advance, so you have something to look forward to and so that you're setting aside time for you.
1: Yeah, I think that's all very powerful but easily implemented strategies that anyone in our field could definitely implement. And I think for us to reflect on how that will improve our quality of care and our service delivery, I think it's very powerful for us to just make small changes throughout our day that would have a lasting impact on the people that we work with. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a very valuable thing to implement. Maybe not just specifically for new graduates, but people Mm -hmm. throughout our profession. So I guess, Bridget, that comes to the end of our questions. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to sit and chat with me.
7: So thank you so much for having me. Hello, this is Jules Sachs, and today I'm with Rebecca Reinking, Rebecca is a paediatric speech pathologist working part-time in private practice setting and also has her own business called Adventures in Speech Pathology, where she creates speech therapy materials to use with children with speech sound disorders. Rebecca has been a speech pathologist for 15 years and has kindly joined us today to talk about the topic of burnout and stress. A very warm welcome to you, Rebecca.
8: Thank you so much. I'm so passionate about this episode and just to um, break down some barriers about stress and
7: burnout today. We appreciate you finding the time in your busy work schedule. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Rebecca, it would be great if we could start our chat by asking you to give us uh, a bit of a snapshot about your career in speech pathology so far.
8: Yeah, so I graduated in 2007. And then I feel like every two years, I changed speech pathology jobs. And I just did something completely different. So I worked, you know, in a real remote setting overseas, private practice, NGOs in the schools. Um, And so it took me about 10, 11 years to figure out what made me happy, you know, in each of those jobs to right now be working um, in a private health setting, um, seeing the caseload that I'm really passionate about, which is children with speech sound disorders, and then um, really creating some, you know, materials um, through Adventures in Speech Pathology and, you know, having a social media presence. So it's taken a long journey to get to where I am now, but I'm quite happy with um, with the mix of what I'm doing at the moment.
7: That's great. It sounds like you've found your little niche. Um, if we think about the terms stress and burnout, what do these terms mean to you in the context of speech pathology?
8: Look, I think um, a lot of speech pathologists we can put stress on ourselves. Um, I know that I do because we're in this healthcare field and we really want to help people, and we like we like putting our clients first. Um, And I think that sometimes, you know, just that nature that we all have, I think we put a lot of guilt, a lot of burden on top of ourselves that we have to be um, practicing at this like 10 out of 10 standard where it's just not achievable. So I personally feel like a lot of us experience this stress and burnout. Um, I certainly have. I've got so many stories and um i think i've seen a real increase in the last few years just with the um with social media being around and there's this kind of comparison about what are they doing and what am i doing and what does someone's speech room look like or you know how do they teach something so i think it's something that's growing in our field and that we really need to um address and speak openly about to be honest
7: yeah absolutely Um, have you noticed any difference in your time as a speech pathologist in the way speeches have viewed these terms stress and burnout throughout the years? So are we hearing these terms being used more frequently now or do you feel stress and burnout has always been something speech pathologists have spoken about or or concerned with?
8: Um, Look I feel like We like to think that we know what we're doing and when you admit that I'm stressed or I'm burnout or I'm not coping, um, I kind of feel like it's hard to admit that and it's hard to be open about that. I know I am because I get a lot of um, physical symptoms when I'm stressed and so for me it's, I mean, just being on social media and having a presence there, it's just something that I just like to put out there so that people know that they're not alone but um I just think you know it can feel a bit embarrassing or um yeah it's one of those things that people don't always like to admit yeah. openly that's that's yeah. that's the feeling I'm getting you know yeah. at the moment
7: do you have any uh, particular experiences with stress and burnout that you would be happy to share with us today
8: Yeah, so as I mentioned, I get a lot of physical symptoms when I'm stressed and burned out. So sometimes, you know, you kind of think you might be managing like busy caseload, I've got it all. But I get migraines um, and I get a lot of sleeping difficulties and I clench my jaw of a night time. And it took me quite a long time to realise until I saw another health professional that they were occurring on the exact same days. And I remember, you know, this osteopath saying, what's happening on Monday, Tuesday, you're getting these migraines every single Wednesday.
2: Mm.
8: And I said, I'm at work. And they said, well, you know, do you like your job? And I'm like, I like it, but I've got a really stressful workplace and, and things like that. And he said, look, I think that these are all stress related. So um, now, you know, when I start to get migraines, I really have to stop myself and say, okay, what, what's stressful? What's going on? Um, look, I've cried at work, I've, uh, I've taken personal leave days for stress and that was a really, really big thing. I didn't want to admit that, you know, in the past, but I was just like, no, 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 I deserve to put myself first. Um, I've had to have meetings with my directors to address stress and to admit that I'm not coping. So I, I can go on and on and on with stories, but I really do feel it a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. the the stress and the burnout and the pressure to try to give so much to our clients as well Mm -hmm. that's the big one this guilt Mm -hmm. Um, feeling guilty about calling in sick you know going oh I can't Um, stay home today because that's a fortnightly client and then I won't see him for a month or Mm. what about that assessment and so um, I think all of those thoughts that we have can Mm. really increase um, you know this stress and burnout that we feel what we should be doing versus Mm. um, putting ourselves first
7: yeah and I think creating a culture that normalizes the idea of like trying to create this healthy work-life balance is really critical yeah. Um, and it continues because it it continues to sustain that discussion on this topic and reduces that uncertainty and stigma about what we're feeling. Yeah, definitely. What would be your top recommendations or strategies for speech pathologists to utilise to alleviate stress?
8: Um, one of the most important journeys I've been on in the last eighteen months, because I've just been feeling a lot of stress lately, is I've um, I've actually sought some external support so I've you know had um, seen a psychologist I've done some counseling I've even had a life coach and for me the life coach was the right fit for me but just to um, talk about you know this stress and this burnout with a professional really 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 helped me give me some routines give me some um, objectives objective feedback into into my life and what's going on um, and just gave me a really new mindset and being okay with saying I'm stressed or I can't handle this or I need help. So mm. that's one thing. The mm. second one, though, I really think you need to address this with your work. Mm. I, I just feel it and I've been in a situation where you're too scared to admit to your boss i'm not coping and i just think you know when you hold it all in because you don't want to admit that you're not coping that you know things can just spiral out of control and so yeah i really kind of feel like those two areas um can really help you kind of problem solve and navigate
7: this yeah um in terms of tips for speech pathologists when they start to see those signs of burnout do you have anything you can offer us here
8: Yeah. So at the moment, I think it's really like asking the questions and pinpointing like the what, (laughs) you know, what is it? Is it that I'm working too many hours? Is it that I've got too many clients back to back? Is it that, um, I get really, really stressed when I see a particular population and I've just got anxiety around that because I don't really know what I'm doing. Is it stress because I'm driving around too much? You know, like what? what is it? Are you underprepared? Is it time management? I think if you can really try to identify a what, um, you can try to put some steps in place to you know, to problem solve and to to decrease, you know, the the area that's causing you stress. Often, though, it's a lot of those things, right? Like it's not just one thing. But still, I think if you can just really pinpoint the what. And right now, um, on my social media, I'm sharing. I know what my what is right now. I'm seeing, you know, 11 clients one day and 10 clients another day, and I've identified that that mm. particular number, that's my, um, that's my stress at the moment. Mm. So how can I, you know, how can I address that with my caseload? Mm. So pinpointing, mm. I think, and yes. being really specific with the, um, with the stresses.
7: That's valuable information. Mm. Um, having a healthy work-life balance is very important for the reasons that it does help to reduce stress and help to prevent burnout in the workplace Do you have any advice for speech pathologists on how to maintain a a healthy work-life balance?
8: Uh, I'm a very bad example of this because I work way too much. Um, But I will say, though, I've started, um, you know, when I get home from work on a Monday because I see kids for so long, um, I've started literally going for a walk like a half an hour walk as soon as I've got home and I've realized that I'm so much happier and better and balanced when I can like get rid of that energy for the day and just you know come home refreshed Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing I've been doing is, is I've been getting up extra early like at um 5 30 or 6 o'clock in the morning and really focusing on me and it's it's really about you know filling your own cup so Mm -hmm. it's just nice you know as a parent to wake up before my kids and you know do a bit of stretching Mm -hmm. if I want to do Mm -hmm. a little bit of emails or just have a coffee or something and not be um uh on the job I guess as a parent just put in more um More emphasis on me, and I think that when I feel like my cup's been filled, I have a bit more of a balance between um, all the other jobs that I'm juggling.
7: Rebecca, how can workplaces help employees achieve a work life balance?
8: You know, I really feel strongly that this should be an open discussion that workplaces have, and they have these check ins with their um, employees. I know my current workplace, you know, about once a term, they ask me, How are you doing? How's your caseload? Can we do anything to help you? And when I do bring up a question or, you know, like a concern, like I think I need to reduce my hours or can we look at this, they actually work with me. Um, I I just think workplaces, you know, they need to really work together and nurture their staff because if, if the practicing speech pathologists are unhappy, they're stressed, they're burned out, we're not going to do the best for our clients. So I think um, checking in is super important, but also I really would love to hear more positive stories of workplaces being more flexible and kind of getting rid of that notion of, no, you're working from 9.30 to 5.30. You know, I would love to hear. And I have heard some great stories of like, you know, people get half of a Friday off or, you know, you can start early and finish early and things like that. So I think a really open dialogue and like, quarterly check-ins, you know, at least, um, would be really beneficial to address this.
7: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca, thank you. It's been wonderful talking to you today about this really important topic. Thank you for your openness and sharing your personal experiences around stress and burnout. Um, You've provided us with some great tools and strategies and lots to think about and reflect on as we move forward with our understanding and management of stress and burnout. Thank you.
2: And thanks for being part of this conversation. So, hello, I'm Davina from the Early Career Reference Group, and I am with Melinda Hull. Melinda is owner of a private practice, Sprightly Online, and has been working since 2000. Lovely to have you here, Melinda, today, and thank you for chatting with me. Thanks, Davina. You've worked in many different sectors and with a lot of client populations. So what is your perception of stress and burnout in the speech pathology profession? And has the conversation around these topics changed throughout the years?
5: The landscape of speech pathology has changed. I don't think I heard much about burnout. We did do a topic of stress in uni and that sort of thing on our last day almost. Um, But it really, I don't think I heard it talked about much. Um, I think I came more aware of it in my personal life when I stayed home for all those years. Um, I personally just pushed myself too far with everything. I've just got such a driven nature. Someone's described me of driven and I was surprised to hear that word and went, nope, I am. I'm very driven. I've just got big goals and I've got lots that I want to achieve in life. And so I just cram everything in. So when I said that like, the landscape of speech pathology has changed, in the beginning when I started working, everything was government work. You really didn't have much private practice. And I've listened to the podcast on Speak Up before and they were saying that back then, you know, it was around 75% government work, 25% private practice. Then you introduce NDIS into the picture and now it's the opposite way around. 75% is private practice and 25% is government. And I think that's where I'm starting to hear this topic of burnout a whole lot more, especially in listening to just things my friends might say, colleagues who are speeches too. Um, You know, private practice... The clients that I saw when I returned to private practice, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen such high, hard clients before. And I was thinking, is it me? Did I just forget how to do my job because I'd been out of the field for ages? And then I went, no, it actually is just we deal with very complex clients. They've got big needs. And so that can create burnout. You've got a lot of um, knowledge and skills you've got to pull into for demanding clients. Also, in private practice, you now have to have billable hours you know you've got to make money so that you can actually function so I think that leads to you know how many clients do you have to see a day and all those sorts of requirements that are put on you maybe by that practice in order to do that which is needed but it just creates that greater presence of burnout yeah I'm hearing it more and more as I go but that could be because I'm more aware of it too in my own experiences so
2: you've touched on some of your personal experiences with stress and burnout
5: and what does it feel like to be burnt out? <laughs> it's just, yeah, sometimes I don't, I didn't. It takes a while to start to tune into your body to understand what it is that you're feeling. You don't often recognise stress. The first time, I think the first two times It happened to me so severely that that was the only way I recognized that I wasn't functioning because I didn't notice all the symptoms beforehand. I'd read the research going, you know, when we are under stress, there's all these stress hormones that come into your body. You might not sleep as well. You might feel less satisfaction, but I just wasn't paying attention. And I did one day when I went, oh, this funny feeling went through my whole body. I went, what was that? And I went, oh, I just read about those stress hormones. Maybe it was something like that did I do anything different? No, I kept going crazy, rate, And then that's when I just started getting massive migraines and just being unable to cope with these sorts of things. And then just one day I just crashed. I just couldn't get up out of bed. I struggled to do that. And then, you know, I'm the sort of person, if I'm depressed, I'll still get out of bed and I'll just keep going. So I forced myself out, forced myself to start to do life. And I think what I noticed I just had no joy in whatever I did. I just had no joy. It was just I had to do it. It's what I'm responsible for. And I was probably crankier with my kids and all that sort of stuff. You know, it just started coming out in the way I behaved as well. And if anyone asked me anything, I'd freak out. <gasps> They've asked me to do something. And then as well, I cr- my body crashed that. I actually had neurological response. My hands wouldn't stop shaking. I could not stop them shaking for weeks. And that's when I went, I need to stop all this stuff, and so that was probably the second time I had done it, and I did. I just had to have a complete stop. I just realised my body couldn't cope with anything at the time, and I needed to calm down. So, Mel, once you were more aware of like the signs of burn burn
2: burnout that you were experiencing, what were some strategies that you used to combat your stress and to reduce these signs of burnout? What did you do, and did it work?
5: I think I've learnt a whole battery of things over the years because I guess I've done it so many times repeatedly that um, even since that bad time I've started to get there and had to apply new strategies. I think at the time when I badly burnt out, I didn't want to accept help but I had to start to accept help from family and friends and also um, I didn't want to go see a psychologist But after trying to see if there were other avenues like, oh, could I meet with this person I really know or that other person, see if they've got time, and none of them were free, so I had to face the fact, I think I need to see a professional for this. And so I booked in to see a psychologist and I went and got to the doctor and got a mental health care plan and went to six sessions um, through psychology and they were the ones, I reckon, who really taught me a huge amount of strategies. So, for example, the psychologist just got me to look at something called the wheel of life and you can kind of google it if you want to but it's just looking at imagine a circle and there's all these different categories of our life maybe it's work it's finances health family friends um, relationships your own personal development fun and recreation and any other topics in there and he sort of got me to rate those and go well how do I feel like I'm satisfied or out of 10 on each of these where do I feel like I'm at and you can sort of see you know if you can see all those being really different to each other you've got a bumpy wheel that's not turning so well um and so he sort of pointed out to me we got to the topic of what do you do for fun I mean I don't do fun I just work all the time it's either kids or it's volunteering or this and that he went are you serious I'm like yeah And he's like, okay, that's where we're starting. So it was like, I have a zero out of 10 for fun. So I had to start to find what do I like? And that was a real actual search in myself to go, I don't know who I am and I don't even know what I like to do for fun. So I started looking and it ended up being by discovery I love the garden. So I just started going out there every day for half an hour or so and go out there and just be in it because it just gave me peace. So that's one strategy I still apply today when I'm really, really stressed and I don't know what to do, go to the garden because I know it'll just calm me down. The other thing the psychologist got me to do was learn how to say no. Um, I actually couldn't, he even wrote sentences down for me and said, this is what you say if you need to say no, because I just had never had that concept. I felt like I had to give to people all the time. So learning how to say no while being respectful to that person, but what goes with my life Um, also realizing that saying no is not a bad thing because if you say no to something you're saying yes to something else but he goes you know if you said yes to doing all these things they've asked of you, well, what does that mean? You have to say no to something on your list. So it means, and that often meant no less time with my family or, you know, no fun or whatever those things. And I had to go, well, what is most important to me? And now I'm learning over every, that's what I still keep doing. Oh, I'm out of balance. Did I say yes when I should have actually said no in that situation? So it's evaluating what I'm doing. Other simple things like I have been doing so well with not burning out for many years. Um, the the time when I returned to private practice um, about and I worked at that place for six years, when I first started I was three days a week and I didn't at the time want to work three days a week because I had an autoimmune disease that I'd got because I'd burnt my body out so badly. I got so many infections. I got um, a thyroid condition called Hashimoto, so it's a thyroid deficiency and it. And I had become bedridden for a time and had to gradually build my body back up to being strong. So I didn't really want to work three days a week, but I thought, well, that's my job. At least I'm in there. We'll start there. But thankfully, my boss was very kind. And when we worked out, I just can't function, we reduced it to two days a week. And that just seemed to be the happy balance. So, you know, you might consider how many days a week you're working. Um. And I did that. But then when I started working for myself, you tend to work all the time. Like, you know, I don't have those boundaries of I go to work and that I just seem to just work all the time. And so having to work out, well, when do I want to work? And maybe I've decided, okay, yeah, maybe I do want to work a little bit more, but I've had to do other things. So uh, I got a bookkeeper immediately for, you know, helping out run the business going, I don't want to do that she's got skills, she can do it faster, then I can allocate more time to clients. So she does that. Um, I did live without an admin person for about a year um, until I just realised I've got so much here. And I started um, trying to work out how can I get someone. So I've got a part-time admin person who started in February and really she probably stopped me from burning out this year at the beginning of the year that's and I didn't realize how much I did I was like I think I've only got this many hours for your week I don't even know if I can feel it but I'll guarantee that for you and then she started and she would do two to three times that amount and I was like ah, oh, no wonder I was starting to burn out I do all this stuff and I didn't know I did all that stuff um I then also I wanted a house cleaner, but I worked out I couldn't afford a house cleaner exactly. But I found you could have a robot vacuum with a mop on it. So I spent a lot of money and bought one of them. And honestly, I'm in love with that machine. And I guess I still, when I knew that I was struggling this year, I also went, okay, I'm now doing it fine because I've got my admin person, got these people doing things, got my gardener to come and mow my lawn and all that sort of stuff. I thought, while i 'm in a good place it 's probably a good idea that I still go and seek some support and so i 'd learned some strategies about breathing, other sorts of strategies of and what are my priorities again so that I can refocus and I think that was really very helpful because this term i 'm back to being burnout out again i 'm just like, oh my gosh, how did I get back here again um, and i 've been able to have to go I need to do some of those strategies again due to a combination of my admin person being away which is wonderful for her because it's finally we get to go overseas and she gets to go see family then taking on probably a couple more clients and then I have a student one day a week for six weeks and while I love doing all that sort of stuff I went oh yeah maybe I did take on too much stuff Um, and then we've had a tragic situation in our lives that's probably the thing that's tipped me over you can't control what happens in your life sometimes so you know the tragic death of someone close to our family and that just that's the thing that tips you over the edge it's sort of like I, I've come to realize at the moment I can't control all this situation mostly I have contributed to it by putting too much on my plate but I can't help that something else like that has happened so now I'm in a hole but I've stopped digging let's stop digging myself in further why don't I now start to try and create my ladder to get out of this hole so again seeking support Spending time in the garden going, I just need some de stress time. And instead of choosing my long to do list, going, No, I know that's going to stress me out more. I need to put in something that's much more beneficial, such as on the weekend, we went, No, nope, that's it. We're just going to take tea down to my parents' house and we get to see them because we hadn't seen them for a few weeks to a month. And I went, I knew that that would fulfill me more than completing my to do list. And so I'm just having to stop myself again and go, These are the most important things. And I think that's what everyone needs to try and you know, do what is most important to me and where will I receive the best I guess health response for my body and mind to help me at that time the other thing I have done is just tried to really be thoughtful about exercise going jogging two or three times a week and um, eating much better because I noticed that if I don't I'll just eat lots of rubbish and then feel worse for it so I've been really trying to put my priorities on those things so it's really it's a whole of life and you have to start thinking of that wheel of life really how do I create a balanced area in each of those um, categories yeah
2: well I think your point Melinda about learning how to say no was very resounding just From speaking with other colleagues in the profession, I feel like speeches are very generous people in nature. It's often very hard for us to say no. And we all do need a reminder that that is an option to say no. So what are your top tips on how speeches can maintain a work-life balance and how workplaces can encourage this balance?
5: Each year, I started listening to professional development and personal development because my husband's in business and has been and he always gets me to listen to these business podcasts and they all talk about the beginning of the year, you know, look at the wheel of life and actually rate how you're going. So I, I would suggest that all of us as speeches and people should maybe at least have a check in at least once a year with ourselves and go, am I satisfied? How do I feel about each of those categories? And you can easily find something like that on the web. Um, also thinking about, I guess, in your job, I have a, the other thing the psychologist taught me was like, I put in 120% and being speechies, we we just have a high standard of ourselves. We know, we're very functioning people. We give and give and give and give and give, but maybe we didn't need to put in that much detail because the client themselves would have achieved their goals or the business we work for would have still been satisfied if we put in 80% of what we you know put in you know you can sometimes put in a, a smaller amount of time and effort into something and yet achieve just as much it, yeah the psycho the psychologist would say okay sit there and say okay I've got this much time so half an hour I need to bang it out instead of spending 2 hours on that task trying to touch it up to get it perfect maybe we just need to go okay I've got this much time it's still going to be good what I've given, but this is as much time as I've got. So stick to your time limits. I've started even doing things like, because I write way too much detail in my case notes and i am really got a goal of it needs to be briefer. So some, I'll set a timer and go, oh, trats, I didn't make it today. But sometimes I've met it and like, woohoo, you know, just to try and increase efficiency where it can be brought in. Um, I think even just talking to your boss, like I started to realise <laughs> When I was at my other place that I worked for, she can't read my mind. Why? I'll be like, why doesn't she know I'm under so much stress? And then I'm like, she can't read my mind. No one can read my mind. So I started being very clever about how I ran my caseload. You know, just think, okay – what are the most important things I need to achieve in the time that I'm here at work and I would prioritize those. And if there were bigger things like, you know, NDS, you've got so many reports to write all the time. um, I would then keep a list of those and then present it to my boss and go, oh, this is now what I have on my plate. I'm not sure how to actually achieve this. What do you suggest? And then she would present to me options like, okay, do we need to cancel clients and use that as report writing time versus face-to-face or do you want to work extra or, you know, try and come up with other options. I think it's like keep the communication lines open with your clients with what are those, what you can and what you can't do, with your boss what you can and can't do and then maybe talk to them about strategies of how can we do this better. The other thing, you know, I've had to start to say, I get, you know, referrals for people, and I can't see them, and I feel really guilty that I can't see them, or when I'm letting them down, or all that sort of thing. Um, But I've had to just go, I can give you this, and but I can't give you this. So maybe I can give you telepractice, but I can't see you in person due to the timetabling. And someone's gone, awesome, great. At least I'll be seeing someone until I can get somewhere face to face. Or I've put people in blocks of therapy and gone, I need. Because I have many children who have childhood apraxia or speech on my caseload. And so the research is that they need to do blocks. And that can get hard to manage sometimes. But I'll just go, okay, they've got their block then. Then if a new person wants to see me, you can see me for this much time on these weeks because that's when I have a gap. And people are often like, excellent, I get to see someone because there's such long waiting lists, even if I'm a temporary person.
2: Yeah, And I agree. It's important to communicate with not just your employer, but also the people that you're working with and also your clients to make sure that those expectations are clear and that everyone's on the same page. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Belinda, for sharing all of your insights and knowledge with me today. It's been really interesting to hear about how conversation around stress and burnout has changed over the years and um, it's been really insightful to be able to get strategies from you on how to combat stress and what we need to look out for with burnout. So um, thank you so much for your time today and it was lovely speaking with you. Thanks for having me. Now that we've heard from our guest, let's jump into a summary of the key points. First few years for an early career speech pathologist can be an exciting but daunting experience as we navigate the challenges of professional practice. Is- issues such as caseload versus workload, access to supervision, work-life balance, professional development and ethical decision making are bound to leave many of us feeling a little overwhelmed at times and seeking support. As early career speech pathologists, our reserve of personal resources are often limited in managing these new job-related demands. In this early career stage, when early career speech pathologists are in the process of developing their personal coping resources in the workplace, they often find that job demands outstrip job resources, leading to stress, burnout, and an unhealthy work-life balance. Balancing our professional and personal life can be challenging, but it's essential. If job stress goes unaddressed, workplaces can pay the price of reduced work productivity and performance amongst their employees. This has the added potential to detract from the quality of care of our clients. Burnout syndrome is a well-defined condition, and in the initial stages, individuals may feel emotional and physiological stress, and increasing job-related disillusionment. The majority of early career speech pathologists started this career with a purpose to help others. However, at ground level, we are hearing common themes about stress, burnout, and reduced work-life balance. As Speech Pathology Australia early career reference group representatives, our role is to voice these issues with the intention to break down barriers about stress and burnout so that early-career speech pathologists can effectively navigate the challenges of work-life balance and
7: remain steadfast in their purpose. In planning this task, it has been important for us to obtain a holistic view of the factors that impact well-being in our professional lives across different levels of professional experience. In doing so, we have identified four common themes that characterise the perceptions and experiences of speech pathologists both early and mid-career, that impact on well-being in the workplace. These being workplace factors, personal expectations, open dialogue and the normalisation of not coping, and finally workplace wellness and regular wellness check-ins. Our speechy interviewees described how the landscape of speech pathology has changed with the introduction of NDIS we are seeing more early career speech pathologists working in private practice organizations. Whilst private practice has come a long way in the the last few years in supporting early career speech pathologists, what we are hearing is significant variability across organizations specific to fair and reasonable KPIs or billable hours, flexibility in the workplace, allocated daily administration time, and appropriate caseload numbers for early career speech pathologists to manage. There was also reference to personal expectations. We tend to put a lot of expectation on ourselves, not just as early career speech pathologists, but throughout our speech pathology career. In our early career years, we tend to feel like we need to know everything, when in fact that's simply not possible. And further down the career track, we are still hearing of speech pathologists navigating these high high expectations, sometimes personally instigated, to be working at a 10 out of 10 every day with added pressure to be giving our all to our clients, no matter how we are feeling. Practicing at this level is just not sustainable. A common response was the need for open dialogue and normalization around not coping, there appears to be a level of shame or embarrassment associated with admitting to others that we are feeling stressed, burnt out or not coping. We are worried what others might think. We like to think we are capable humans professionally and personally 100% of the time, which is a thought pattern that is not achievable on a day in and day out basis. Normalizing and prioritizing conversations about personal well-being in the workplace creates a culture of open dialogue where as early career speech pathologists, we can feel comfortable to reach out for help. It was also perceived as beneficial to have regular workplace wellness check-ins. Supporting wellbeing sends a strong message to early career speech pathologists that they are valued and important to the organization. This is part of running a successful business that attracts and retains talented individuals. Wellbeing check-ins support early help-seeking behavior. Check-ins are about support and collaboration and should remove barriers around feelings of embarrassment or shame. So what can be done to best manage our personal well-being in the workplace and our work-life balance? We turn to our panel of interviewees for advice and this is what they suggest. In terms of student tips, our student Brittany suggested work, study productively. Our attention fluctuates over the day. So plan your study, your admin and assignments accordingly. Also plan social events outside of uni that support relaxation, other life goals and friendships. Our new grad speech pathologist, Bridget, um, suggested talk with your colleagues about your concerns. And again, plan enjoyable time with friends away from work and ensure you organise holiday leave in advance. Our experienced speeches, Rebecca and Melinda, suggested the following tips. The importance of practising self-care and listening to your body's cues around stress and burnout. Schedule me time each day and ask yourself the what question. What is causing my stress? And pinpoint issues to address. Also reach out to your workplace for assistance. Advocate and plan for regular check-ins with your employer and reach out for personal, professional support and guidance if needed. They also suggested the importance of setting boundaries with others and with yourself in terms of sometimes we need to say no in order to keep a balance across personal and professional life, and that's okay. Um, Along with negotiating work hours or days to suit your lifestyle, nurturing yourself from the point of view of eating well, exercising regularly, and having a social life. And lastly, using a life planner or work planner or both to create routines, time management and priorities in personal and professional life.
4: We would firstly like to extend a big thank you to Melinda Hull, Rebecca Ryan King, Bridget Forrester and Brittany Fong again for their time and for sharing their experiences, strategies and insights on personal wellbeing. If you would like to look at more resources related to burnout, personal wellbeing and improving your work-life balance, there are some great resources available. Speech Pathology Australia has collaborated with Lifeline and they've created the Accidental Counsel Plus course. The third module in the series is about self-care, managing stress and avoiding burnout. The live event with a total of three modules is available for members to purchase with the first session commencing on Thursday, the 8th of September. Speech Pathology Australia also has a few other modules available on the learning hub, such as why your mental health is an ethical issue, supervision for professional well-being and recognizing and managing stress, which are also helpful for learning more about overall personal wellness, why managing stress and well-being as a professional clinician are important, strategies around how to manage these and where to seek help and supervision if needed. The Black Dog Institute is a locally based medical research institute that's dedicated to researching mental health and has some great additional resources to support and improve personal well-being. Some of these resources are perfect for busy clinicians like most of us and cover a variety of areas, strategies and activities such as exercise, mindfulness and meditation, gratitude, lifestyle and learning about your strengths and how to use them. Our group will also be publishing an article in an upcoming edition of the Speak Out magazine this year to explore personal well-being further with more tips and strategies to help you balance overall well-being. So please keep your eye out for this. Are you okay Day is also coming up soon on September 8th and their website has some fabulous resources also targeted around checking in with your friends and colleagues and also with yourself regarding mental health, advocating for people to have open conversations when we see that our peers and friends are struggling, and to empower us with resources to support them when their answer is no, I'm not okay. If you or any of your colleagues are looking for further support around well-being, you may like to contact a staff member at Speech Pathology Australia's National Office. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope that you have learned some strategies for improving and looking after your personal wellbeing speeches. We hope that this topic has been helpful and opens up the floor for further discussion around such important topics, including understanding wellness, personal wellbeing, managing stress and avoiding burnout for speech pathologists. This is Brianna, Vivian, Julie and Davina here from the Early Career Reference Group. See you guys next week.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast where all good podcasts are found and make sure you share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now.